0: Welcome to another episode of Speaker Success Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen and the founder of Podcasting with Purpose Podcast Training. Now, according to my guest, research shows that parents can contribute up to 80% of their child's success in school, and it's also estimated that at least 15% of students, they're underachieving because they're just not getting the support that they need. Now what we're going to be talking about today with today's guest expert is also extremely relevant if you want to become a far more influential speaker and communicator. Let's welcome today our guest expert, Patricia Porter. Now Patricia was a teacher for over 35 years, mainly working with children who were struggling to learn and parents would cry on her shoulder and ask what they could do to help their child. It took her seven years of research to find the answer and now she helps parents get the information and advice that they need to ensure their child succeeds in school. Patricia also presents to groups of parents because even though they desperately need the help, they just don't know where to get it. Now, on today's show, Patricia's going to share understanding of the important role that parents play in helping children succeed in school and what that role is. She's going to talk about three keys to unlocking their child's potential, as well as the four stages of learning what they are and why parents need to know their child's learning stage. So, welcome to the show.
1: Welcome, Anne-Marie. Thank you.
0: This is an area I think that so many parents do struggle with and unfortunately when there's no advice or relevant up-to-date information it can become quite overwhelming for parents so I'm so glad that you are here on the show today sharing this expertise that you've gained obviously from many many years of, of research but as I mentioned a lot of the things that you're going to be talking about today the principles will help us to become far better more influential in our speaking abilities and of course if we are parents who've got young children or children at school it's certainly going to benefit us as well. Uh, the research that you did, did you enter that research or, or participate in that research because of the fact that many parents were struggling with this or was it something that you started to notice in, the, in your teaching that there were just some aspects of some students that were struggling with, with learning?
1: I knew the students were struggling, and the parents were really worried, and they were really concerned. So they would come and ask me what they could do to help their kids learn. And I would try and tell them, but I didn't really know the answers. I mean, as a teacher, you're always taught that parents are a big influence on kids' learning, but you're never really taught how and what to do about it. So I thought, you know, I really ought to know more about this to help these parents. So I thought, where do I get this kind of information? So off I go to the local university, the education department at the university, and I knock on the door and say, excuse me, who's got the answer to my question? How can parents help their kids learn? Well, nobody did have the answer. So what I ended up at my ripe old age was actually doing seven years of research for a PhD to try and find the answer. Mm -hmm. It was... Hard work, it was frustrating, but in the long run, it was fascinating.
0: Wow, I love that because, you know, how often do we go and search out information and when it's not readily available, we think, well, it's not there, but I love the way that you've just picked that project up and thought, well, I'll create the content or the information and and do the research uh, myself. Now, let's talk about understanding the important role that parents play in helping children succeed in school and what that role is. Share more about this.
1: The issue is that parents really want their kids to succeed and they do everything they can to support their child's learning and to support their child's schoolwork. This often means that they help with homework or they pay for tutors or they buy resources. um, And this is not always the answer that kids need. So parents often get frustrated and confused when it's not working and worse still, the students don't get the support they need, don't get the learning that they need. Mm. And what I discovered in my research was that kids need parents and a teacher, but the parents and the teacher have got a very different role. The teacher teaches school stuff, the teacher's a curriculum, that's what they're paid to do, but it's very difficult to teach children the the curriculum if they're not ready to learn, Mm. if they don't have the skills they need to be able to learn. And schools, teachers... Don't have time to help kids develop these skills. They've got another job to do. They're too busy. So it's parents that can do this. Now, parents do this to some extent automatically through their parenting, through looking after their kids. But because they don't do it systematically, mm. the kids often miss out in some skills and some areas. And that really makes it difficult for them to. Do well in school and succeed in school, and it's not because the kids are stupid, yes. and it's not because the kids are lazy. It's just because they're missing one small skill which parents can help them develop.
0: Oh, all right. Well, so. I'll find-
1: This
0: is why I got involved. Oh, amazing. And you know, I think so often we do as parents, I mean, my my children are all older now. However, if I recall back to the time and I even see a lot of comments being shared on Facebook and other online platforms, a lot of parents really do place a lot of emphasis on, on learning and development to teachers. But as you say, they've got a curriculum to teach this is what they need to to, to facilitate that training and, and learning environment. however if children are not being able to to learn in a, in a style that resonates with their learning ability it's going to be very difficult. so what are some things that we need to know as parents or even grandparents that we can share with our you know our children who may have uh, who may have younger children to help create that that one thing or couple of things that are missing that's going to create Um, A learning environment where our children can can actually take on board what they're being taught on school what are some of those missing things
1: well I talk about the the three keys and um, this is sort of an introductory course for parents in a way the first thing parents have to do is to stop they have to stop doing what isn't working they have to get away from the stress and the frustration of trying to help their kids. I mean, I once had a mother who called me up, and all I could hear was sobs on the other end of the phone. Mm -hmm. And then she said, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore. And she was spending three hours a night working with her child, helping her with homework. And that wasn't helping anybody, the mother nor the child. So the first thing, stop what isn't working. And you know what isn't working. If it doesn't feel right to you or it doesn't feel right to your child, Don't do it. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And then you can make space for what will work. So the second key is to discover what your child needs. And once you discover what your child needs, then you can provide the skill that, or you can provide the support that really meets their needs. It's like going to a doctor. If you're not feeling well, if you're struggling over something, you go to the doctor and you expect the doctor not just to help you with your symptoms but to find the cause, and to fix the cause of the problem, and this is what parents need to do, now of course the big issue is there's nobody telling them this or how to Mm -hmm. do this Mm -hmm. so this is where we come to the four stages assessment and this is free or it's going to be free on my new site any day now um, because learning is a four stage process Mm. it's motivation, it's kids having the ability to learn. It's kids making sense of school, making sure that they get on well with their teacher and they understand what the teacher's saying. Mm-hmm. And then the last stage I call move to mastery. That's where you use a tutor or you give extra help to kids. Yes. But if, you, if your kid needs help with motivation and you get a tutor, that's not really going to help. No. And you're going to spend a fortune and um, the kid is not going to be very happy, and you're not going to be very happy. So once you find out the stage of learning where your child needs help, then you've got a good indication of what support that kid needs. Yes, yes. And what would be effective in helping them.
0: Let's um go back to, we're going to dive into the four stages, I want to unpack that a little bit more in a moment, but going back to the three keys of unlocking a child's potential, that first one, stop doing what isn't working. I can imagine that sometimes as parents, what we do is we compare our child's learning ability, if you will, to what we knew when we were at school. And our way of learning, and that maybe some of the four stages of learning which we're going to talk about in a moment, is quite different to our child and as a parent, I know often I would have said to my ch- children, um, "You know this should be easy, do this, this, and this," which was quite relevant to the <laughs> way I learn so often as parents, we do that don't we? What are some other things that you find can be a barrier or an obstacle to parents even starting to to not even get to the four stages because of that unlocking the child's potential? What are some things that you've often seen?
1: The main one I find is, I call it learning styles. And If a parents learn in a certain way, like if they like a structured way of learning, if they like everything step by step, if they like a nice tidy desk, if they like the pencil by the side of the book, um, and, and that's great. That's the way they work. That's the way they like to learn. But they might have a kid who doesn't learn that way. They might have a child who is a visual learner, mm. who can handle a messy desk, who doesn't go step by step, who knows where they are now and knows where they want to be, doesn't know how to get there, but they have fabulous vision. Yes. Now, if that parent tries to teach the child in the way that they learn uh, with a structured approach, this visual learning child is going is to turn off and it's not going to learn anything. No, no. And what I find is when I'm working with parents is when I explain to them how their children learn and um, why it's different from how they learn. They will often say, oh, he's just like his dad, okay, <laughs> or he's just like his <laughs> uncle, right? And then I think, yes, I've got it,
0: okay? Yeah. Then they understand, yeah. Yeah,
1: so true. But that's, that's much.
0: Natural. Yeah, so let's talk about the learning styles. So there's a visual learner and then there's someone, as you mentioned, who um, likes to have more structure. What about some of the children, and I've I've just even being privy to a few conversations and even some videos which I've watched with children who can't sit still. They're movers and shufflers (laughs) and they love that that movement. Would that be associated? I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say more a kinesthetic learner because kinesthetic are the experiential. They like to get their hands dirty and in there.
1: I I call them body smart learners. The body body has got to move so that their brain works. If their body isn't moving, their brain isn't working. I ended up teaching children to read, um, a lot of kids to read, and there were some kids who could only learn to read walking around the classroom with their book, and that was fine. I explained to the other kids, and, and that was fine. They did that, and I was working with a little girl yesterday, actually, and she had to sit at a table to do something, but she had to have something in her hands to play with all the time. Um, otherwise, her brain just wouldn't function. Yes. So, and it can be very tough in school for kids who learn this way, yes. and yet they're expecting. It's to their
0: all day. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you should, should say that, Patricia, because I've noticed that movement for me is very important too. And in actual fact, sometimes, you know, when you're going, uh, when you're just about to drift off to sleep and I'm thinking, because my mind often doesn't shut off, and then all of a sudden I... I think of something and I can just feel it going into my muscle. I move and my husband said, oh, you stop moving. But even when I do <laughs> do learning, I love to walk around. So we've had the visual body learners, the the movers. What is the terminology of those people who like to have a structure? Is there, there are, um, a terminology long, that you
1: they're use? They're logical learners. Logical they, learners. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I call them number smart, but it's not just about math. It is about the the process. I mean, numbers have a strict order and they have a strict way to handle them. So I call these kids number smart learners. Um, and, and they normally like math and they're good at science, yes. but they often don't have a great vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have word smart learners, those who, those are really good in school because they like reading and talking and learning that way. Uh, and then we have people smart learners. They like to learn with other people around them. Not me. I've got to sit at my desk on my own. I'm a self-smart learner, okay? Mm -hmm. Shut up. Don't talk to me. I'm learning, okay? Whereas I have a friend who, um, she she can only learn. She can only do anything when there's five or six people around her talking to her. Yes. And then we have musical learners. I don't know much about musical learners. I'm not very good at music, okay? And we have nature-smart children, children who, learn by being in nature and in a classroom they need to be sat by a window so they can look outside otherwise their brain just doesn't function properly That's so there's all this to take into account when you're trying to help kids succeed in school
0: yes fascinating well, so fascinating. are there any other learners i'm, I'm fascinated uh or, or that there's kind
1: there's of some... baby, this this is research from gardner who was an australian wow okay, there you are uh, he came up with these. He's come up with more than eight, but there's eight main ones yes. that I use. The issue is that teachers only teach to three styles. They only teach to word-smart learners, self-smart learners, and um, number-smart learners. Yes. So if your child is a picture-smart learner or a visual learner, they're going to struggle to make sense of school. Mm. Uh, if your child is a body-smart learner, they're going to struggle. This is why some kids prefer some teachers to others, It's because they teach the way that the child learns. learns. This is all about matching. and um, Yeah, it's incredible.
0: It's really incredible. And I think from the the aspect of um, we're talking about children, of course, in school, but I would imagine that as adults, we all have different ways of learning too. And as a presenter, as a speaker, or people who facilitate, we need to be aware of this. Let me ask you this question when someone grows older do they maintain that style of preference of learning as they get older if you are a word smart learner as an adult you probably will be too or does that develop over time and and you can incorporate some of the other styles as well
1: i've been asked this question often and um, i think you do incorporate other styles you learn to adapt And you learn to use them. But I still think you keep your main preferential style. I mean, I'm old and I'm a visual learner. And me and my husband in the car, he's a word smart learner, has directions from me. And I say, oh, you go up to that tree and turn left and then you go right by the red house. And he says,
0: give me the names of the streets. you know. So we we tend not to get in the car. Yeah, That's well, what? my husband is like, you know, go three kilometers uh, east and then turn south and I'm going, you've lost me. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, I'm the same. Is it this way, left, right? How? Yeah. What are some significant markers on, on the road or a house or a, something like that that's really important as well? Fascinating stuff. And I think, as we mentioned, stop doing what isn't working. So the, the way in which your child may be incorporate or, or learning, their learning style may not be something that you're sharing. So try out different styles of learning and see if one fits to another. I think also too, for teachers, if you understand what really enables a child to learn best and you can provide that environment, then they're able to take on and take in that information as as well. Should this be something that...
1: It's hard for a teacher if they've got 30 kids in class and they've got 30 learning styles. I mean, I know teachers who do their best, but it's not the same as the kind of support you can get from a parent
0: right so then let me ask you this then so if you understand then that your child is a certain learner if you, are you able then to incorporate that at home and, and and then so they may be taking in some of the information at school but then at home if you provide an environment that does allow them to walk around or have them sit next to a window to learn. That's obviously going to enable them to take on board what they're learning in class. Is that kind of how you would use this?
1: Yes, the first step is stop what isn't working. The second step is discover. Discover how your child likes to learn, what your child needs to learn. Then the third step is to provide the strategies that work. And that's what I do in my process and in my website, is I get to the stage of giving parents strategies that they can actually use at home. Yeah. to help their kids. Yeah. Really practical, simple strategies. And I, I don't want to make parents into teachers. No. You know? I want them to just extend their parenting skills a little bit to yeah. help their
0: kids. What I could imagine that would happen too is if a child is able to learn in a way and absorb the information in a way that they can understand it, that in itself would be so motivating because quite often children don't like to to read or do whatever activity because it just doesn't make sense to them but if we empower them they want to then learn and I guess that fits in beautifully to the four stages of learning now I know I've written down one here motivation what are the other three the desire to
1: learn once you want to learn and, and to be honest all young kids want to learn It's it's mm. sad when they don't want to learn but that can happen then they have to know how to learn. Mm. Now, this was my big aha moment. As a teacher, I sort of assumed kids knew how to learn. And my job was just to give them the information that they had to learn. But now they need to develop a certain range of skills, foundational learning skills, I call them, in order to be able to know how to learn. One of those skills, is of course, is attention and focusing. And a lot of children struggle with that because they don't know how to do that. One of the skills is actual production. My niece came home from England. She went to the local university for a year, and she came in one day in tears because she'd failed an exam. And she'd failed the exam because she hadn't answered the questions they had asked. She hadn't produced the right kind of work, even though she knew it. So we talked about that for a while, mm-hmm. and that made a tremendous difference in her university career, actually, at that time. Um, so yeah the second stage is having the skills to be able to learn and then the third one we have talked about briefly and that is making sense of school and that is when you have to find strategies to adapt how you're being taught to how you learn and Mm -hmm. parents can help kids do that and then the last stage is when kids need extra help within a tutor or um, specific help either for catch-up or for preparation for an exam or to learn a new subject and that's the one parents tend to rush to and it's often not the right one and i, mm. I want to stop parents wasting their time money and effort doing that and give them strategies that are really going to work
0: yes yes i love that and i think also too about um you know any decision that we're making knowledge and awareness of things which we now have enables us to then make a plan and and put together an environment or create an environment I should say that where parents and children feel respected and because I can recall you know trying to teach my youngest maths and sometimes it would take so long and it was so hard not to get frustrated and all of a sudden the penny would drop and you could almost see it click but you know one of the things that I often and and so often we would go back and redo things wouldn't we it got to the stage where she was even afraid to give an answer, even if it was just a guesstimate because it was kind of being, ah, oh, you know, here we are sitting for I don't know how many hours. But if you create an environment in which the learning style is appreciated, I'm sure we didn't tap into her learning style, then children aren't afraid to give answers, even if they are wrong, because it's an experience and, and they're empowered to uh, to continue learning and developing. What are some of the differences that you saw in, in the students and the parents when you started well, implementing some of these uh, things?
1: This is what, listen, I'm an old lady, this is what keeps me going, these experiences, these successful experiences. The relationship between the parent and the child blossoms. It's not an aggressive relationship. Everybody suddenly understands each other. And when the child suddenly realises why they've been struggling to learn, and how they like to learn. I've actually seen these kids grow three inches in front of my eyes Mm -hmm. when they say, oh, so that's the problem, and and we can fix that. I say, yeah, of course we can fix that. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing when I see that. I mean, I have had one mother that called me out. Her child was talking about committing suicide um, because she was so upset at school because she couldn't learn. But when we spoke to the kedges, she was a young teenager. When we spoke to her about why she was having difficulties, everything was fine, and she finished that end of the year with excellent marks. Mm -hmm. So that was.
0: Yes and and as you say I mean it's it's got nothing to do and so often we assume that if we're not able to learn that there's something wrong with us not at all it's just a different style and as you've alluded to yeah. traditional teaching environments or school environments cater only to three that you mentioned of those learning styles and if our learning styles are a combination of the others then we can see trouble. yeah and there's only so many windows if we we're a window learner or a nature smart learner there's only so many windows obviously in a in a room and some schools some rooms don't have windows at all so i can imagine how a nature smart learner would feel so stifled and not being able to look outside and and be empowered in, in that I way i can't
1: change the education system i wish i could but yeah, i can't yeah. but i can give parents the strategies to help
0: kids so yeah, yeah. absolutely well we have promised to share with people how they can find out more so you've got so many different resources I know available on your website what is the best way for them to connect with you
1: well if they go to my website which I'm sure you've got um, that's leading to learning.com there is a contact form um, I love answering questions I I'm not saying I can answer everybody's problems, but at least I can go some way towards doing that. And maybe I can point them to other resources if I'm not able to support them in some way.
0: Fantastic. So,
1: yeah, I have helped parents in Sweden. I have helped parents in India, America. So as long as we get the time right, it's okay. Yeah, (laughs)
0: fabulous. So leading to learning, and of course we'll put all of the, the details on the show notes. Go and check that out but certainly uh, I find out more, so many valuable resources. And I mean, I've just, through speaking with you today, the fact that there are so many different learning styles and styles that I hadn't heard before um, in itself is just mind-boggling and I can see how, uh, yeah, I'm interested. I'm going to find out. Do a bit more research about my kids. You'll know how to handle them. <laughs> yes,
1: <right? Okay. laughs>
0: exactly, exactly, right. And I think as adults too, you know, sometimes we bring with us into adulthood some of the experiences that we had as as children. And you know, sometimes as teachers, you know, the teachers do get a little bit frustrated, or maybe even your parents, and if you're carrying that with you in adulthood and it's kind of put you off from doing learning or even being scared to, to, to contribute, then um, when you realise, you know what, there's nothing wrong with you, it's just that your learning style and the environment you need is different from everyone else, Absolutely. and that can be become so yeah. empowering. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and coming on the show.
1: Thank you for giving me the chance. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women's Speakers Association. If you're ready to share your message in a bigger way so you can build a thriving business, get your free speaker success plan at speakersuccessgift.com.